You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. Great to be with you today. I'm Leanne Dolan in Los Angeles at the Wondery Sunset Studios. Liz, didn't it feel like spring break today, even though we don't, we were not spring breaking because there was no traffic. I know. Why is that? Where is everyone? They're on spring break, Liz. Oh, they are. Oh, yeah. See, see, when you don't have kids, you just don't understand other people's, like the vast majority of people's schedules, you know, because <laughs> you're not on a school calendar. Right. So you're right. I just zipped here today. Well, yeah. This is Liz Dolan. I'm also in the Wondery Sunset Studio. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, I was listening to a song on the radio the other day by Lizzo, you know, the sort of indie, hip hop, rapper, woman, loudest. I was thinking, Liz. should I have changed my name to Lizzo earlier? I think it's too late. <laughs> But I was kind of jealous that I didn't do that way earlier in my life. Yeah. Lizzo <laughs> Dolan. <laughs> See, wouldn't okay. that be good? With two okay, Zs. Is that, all two you Zs. Got, is that all you got this morning, Lizzo? Or can I? Uh, can <laughs> oh, I? Yeah, yeah. Please introduce yourself, Julio. I'm Julie Dolan. I'm in <laughs> Dallas, Texas. I'm the oldest sister. And I want my sisters to know I am a Red Raider fan. I am a Texas Tech fan. I got on board. You got to have somebody. That's all. <laughs> That's all I've watched of the NCAA tournament, but uh, I, it was enough for me. I'm all in on them, and I'm really I'm all in on Texas because I'm also rooting for the Baylor women who made the Final Four, too. So right. the very, very easy choice there, Texas Tech and Baylor all the way. I don't mean to stump you with this question, but where no, is I Texas? I told you, no follow-up <laughs> questions. Oh, where is, where Texas, is Texas Tech? Tech? <laughs> Lubbock, Texas, Leanne. Oh, Bing. okay. Got it right. Okay, 100% on that one. <laughs> and where is Baylor? Is that Houston? Waco, Texas. Waco. Okay. All Waco. Right. I mean, Liz, it's a whole trip. We've talked about it on this podcast. I know. I know. You go down, you go to Magnolia, you go to the store, you see where Chip and Joanna were, <laughs> or you see all that ship laugh. Then across the river, that's uh, that's where um, Baylor is. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for telling me about it, because I'm never taking that trip. <laughs> okay, Lizzo. You're not invited. All right. Today on the show, it's jam-packed as usual. I mean, we really did have a lot of pitches. It was a lot. Most of which are not substantive. But yes. that's we we are going to talk so about a lot of things. We're cramming a lot of things in today for your pleasure. We have a couple of food trends right up top. Julie's going to tell us how to talk to our dogs, which is mm-hmm. exciting. Which we, I need. I know. we've uh-huh. all. You're doing it wrong. I can tell you this. <laughs> yeah. All right. We are going to follow up with the college admissions scandal, More Tales to Tell. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk about what the New York Times called snowplow parenting, something I found very interesting. We, we're going to try to talk about Brexit. So God yes. bless us. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're going to give it a whirl today. We, we've got a take on Brexit because everybody has to have one. Liz has a freakish story of a woman who does not feel pain. I know. I think you think that sounds like a good idea until you read the story, and it sounds like a terrible idea. (laughs) I'm going to tell you why. And then entertaining sisters, we, uh, we're going to break down all the Theranoses out there. Yes. All the Theranai. The books, the podcasts, <laughs> the documentaries, the live appearances. We've been all over this for a year, but there's more people. Yeah. More. So that's the show today. That sounds like a good show. It does. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I want to start with, it's dog related, but it's more of a, um, 
April Fool's Day thing, which was yesterday. As we record this, today's April 2nd. And I would say April Fool's Day is not my favorite holiday. Anything that involves faking things, I'm just, I don't particularly enjoy Yeah, I'm not a pranker. I'm just a non Humiliation is not, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't like that. Right, yeah. But um, Carrie... Who, is, who follows uh, at Sat Sisters on Twitter, which everyone should be doing by now. Uh, she shared something yesterday on Twitter that said, this is an at Sat Sisters story if I've ever heard one. And she shared it to us. And here was the story from her friend, Aaron. Breaking. The U.S. Open to add puppies to the ball person team of the 2019 tournament for the first, for the first time. All breeds welcome. And this was accompanied by a picture of a corgi chasing a tennis ball. Now, I I enjoyed this. I immediately liked it. But I also immediately recognized this as an April Fool's joke, <laughs> which apparently neither Carrie nor her friend Aaron did. It was Aaron Andrews. <laughs> no, oh, Aaron or, Andrews. That's or, right. Oh, it, it was, was Aaron, Aaron Andrews. Andrews. Right. The sportscaster. Yes. <laughs> Yes. So, <laughs> or how about how about your sister Julie? I Did thought you it was a it? true story. I thought it was brilliant, Liz. I thought, oh my gosh, the U.S. Open. How smart! What a what a new form of entertainment <laughs> to add dogs to tennis. I mean, I was just imagining Two of the your labs, favorite things. you know, the Goldens, or even some of those really fast border collies just tracking down the tennis balls. Uh, I I was all in. I was just about to send it to my uh, everyone on my. Tennis team. I was so psyched about this. <laughs> okay, we wish this was true. We do, because it would be fun. But lots of Aaron's friends called her on it and posted like the the average post in her feed was lots of luck getting them to drop the stupid goobery ball. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I think there would be a lot of training involved in having dogs as um as on the ball person team, but anyway. I don't think I mean do- dogs are very good with balls. I I it was, you know, it was only after I went back and I thought I wonder why they're working with puppies. That seems <laughs> that just. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was really all in on this. I mean, I was completely uh, duped by this, you know. I didn't realize it was April 1st. <laughs> and I think the U.S. Open should think about it or one of the tennis tournaments because it would be just a whole new dimension of fun yeah, to have those dogs chasing down the balls. Yeah. It's sort of like puppy ball, but better. Yeah. Because there are yeah. humans in the picture, too. Okay. Yeah, and I'm sure the players would love putting those balls in their hands. Because, you know, they never I notice mean, their equipment. You know, they're, yeah. they don't uh, care yeah, what balls they play about, with. They're yeah. not fussy about any of that stuff. Their, their equipment, their rackets, their balls. Yeah. No. They won't mind. No. They won't mind some goobery balls. No. They're about, most of them are dog lovers. Well, speaking of dogs, okay, sisters, do you talk to your dogs? We all we all, all are dog owners. Do you talk to your dog, Leon? Oh, yeah. All day of long. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liz, do you talk to Hooper? I would say not enough. Like I, <laughs> or he's just not a good listener. I'm not sure what's actually happening in our communications, but I think, uh, do you talk to uh, your dog, Joel? You'll talk to Oliver? Of course I talk to Oliver, but apparently I may not be talking, and I may not be talking to the dog correctly, and and, uh, here's a heads up for you, too. So there was a piece in the New York Times Sunday magazine. Uh, This is a cognitive biologist, Mario Gallego Abzena, and he said... He's been studying, you know, studying communication between animals and humans and dogs and humans. And 
He said that people tend to use a high-pitched tone, baby talk mm-hmm. tone. Le- Leon, is that how you talk to your dog? Not, I wouldn't say, no, I, I wouldn't say I do that. I mean, it's a slightly playful tone, but I don't talk baby talk. Let, me, let me hear a little dog, uh, dog talk. Okay, uh, Steph, I'll, uh, let's go. Let's go. So slightly higher. Slightly, slightly higher, Liz, but now baby yes, talk. Liz, how about you? Are just you, straight uh, up me. I've just, yeah. So... Though sometimes it's like, okay, Hopi, like I, you know, <laughs> it's sort of pet names for my pet. It's yeah. just a little more playful than I would normally right. be. Not so much in my voice, but in what I'm saying. Like, hey, Hoopy Scoopy, have you ever heard me say that? <laughs> okay, that's that's clearly you've crossed over into the baby talk tone. <laughs> and apparently, according to Dr. Mario there, that people tend to use a high-pitched baby talk tone. But this is only good for puppies, for dogs under a year. Oh. Uh, uh, older dogs don't like that baby talk. Did you realize <laughs> that your dog might not like that tone you're taking with, you, huh. with them? So uh, what are they we don't supposed like to do? They, nor, you're supposed to talk to ad- adult dogs in a normal voice. Like Speak to, to them adults. as an adult. Okay. Establish <laughs> eye contact, Liz. Okay, uh-huh. that's what. Uh, yes. And talk to them in a normal uh, voice. Now, and he's been, Mario knows what he's talking about because he's been working with a border collie named Rico, Liz. Mm-hmm. I just mentioned that. Uh, and Rico can identify 200 words. Wow. Wow. That's 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 pretty good. I don't believe that. I think that as well is an April Fool's joke. Uh, (laughs) But he does say that, you know, that dogs are social animals and you are a social animal and that, you know, you can communicate with your animal by using a normal tone of voice Mm -hmm. and also by maintaining eye contact and using facial expressions. Like if they're looking at you they can recognize your facial expressions, whether you're happy or you're a little frustrated with them, whatever it is. Yes. And that's the wolf inside them. So. Exactly. That's what made them so trainable. I've seen all the do- all the Nat Geo documentaries about <laughs> how wolves became dogs. And it's, all yeah, right, they but really it's, look at you. Like you. I'm like cats. You have to apply it to your own home, Liz. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's now very hard to make eye contact with someone who's so short. You know, he's just very short. <laughs> That's a good point. So when he sits and looks up at me, we're making a lot of eye contact. But if he's just walking around, I would have to be laying on the floor to be at his eye level. Well, he's not going to pick up any extra words unless okay. you do the eye contact. So okay. I think you have your homework assignment. So keep that in mind. Uh, no Thank more baby you. talk for those older dogs. Just okay. talk to them like adults. Okay. That's what they want. I think that, again, also works for kids. So I like when I I think a lot of this dog research is also helpful in parenting. That's what I would say. Um, Speaking of parenting, all right, I am here to identify a food trend. I'm here to confirm a food trend. Okay, you're good at this. Because I believe it it has been a trend based on the number of Instagram accounts it has. Uh But I would like to say that I saw it in action last week because my college-age son, Colin, and his friend, Lydia, we're home for spring break, and I saw them doing this. And Liz, it's cheese boarding. Cheese boarding. It's cheese what? boarding. What is cheese? Boarding? Julie, you know it. You're a, you're a cheese boarding pioneer. I remember having a party at your house like what six seven years ago for a book party, and you had that giant cheese nut fruit crudite display. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know everything oh. piled high. Well, imagine that on an individual scale. Okay, so oh. you get yourself a wooden board, a cheese board, Liz. Yes. <laughs> but you're not limited to cheese. Oh. It's really where charcuterie 
meets crudite, Liz. Oh. Okay, you can put everything on the cheese board. Just make sure that it looks beautiful, okay. that you can display it on Instagram. And if you mm-hmm. want to, just go right now, hashtag cheese boards of Instagram. Okay. You're going to see that it is, it's a thing. And is this is this in lieu of a meal, or is this the new dinner? You just cheese board. Yes, at din- yes, okay. Julie. It's in, so yes. now we've given up on bowls. Yes, bowls are over. Bowls are over. Okay. Exactly. Now Julie. people just need wooden planks and uh, and some ramekins. If you really want to step it up, you're gonna you're gonna also execute the cheese board with ramekins. Okay. <laughs> okay. So okay. I mean, I know you know my son Colin. He doesn't have a wide range of food he enjoys, mm. but he enjoys the food he enjoys. Yes. And, Cheese is one of those foods. Yes. So when he was coming home for the weekend or the week, I got I got some cheese. I got a few things, crackers. I know he likes that. I used to make those little plates for him when he was little. He still likes it. I Every time I walked in the kitchen, he and Lydia were cheese boarding. I mean, they were just <laughs> setting up their own <laughs> cheese boards with the prosciutto, with the olives, with the sliced up apples and the pears. I, I couldn't believe it. I've never seen it's, him make food ever. So uh, that, well, that's no, that's nice. But I feel sorry for plates. Right. <laughs> yeah. <They're> gone, right? <laughs> I mean, well, just the little appetizer plates, which, you know, I love. So you can yeah. cheese board with the appetizer plates. But oh. I'm telling you, I mean, I couldn't stop them. They were just cheeseboarding night and day. And I, and, and I, I well, know. it seems like a healthy activity it for is. two young people. <laughs> right. But it's all about the composé, right? It, it it's is. a composition exercise. So I like that they really took time. They were mm-hmm. they really took time composing the cheeseboard before they consumed the cheeseboard. Did they take pictures of their food? Uh, I think Lydia did. Colin doesn't doesn't do everything but they but you there are plenty of pictures of cheese boards on Instagram uh-huh. there are many you know cheese boarding is its own hashtag it is a verb there are Facebook groups for people really? who cheese board now <laughs> you know it's just it's happening everywhere Liz mm-hmm. and I think this is great news frankly because that's the way I like to eat you know salty just grazing sweetie, snacky grazing but then you're not you don't have to cook things now we, the crackers and the bread are those on the cheese board too or is yeah. that a separate um, arrangement it like depends on how big your cheese board is Julie and how how elaborate you want to make it so they were putting the crackers on and the bread separately. But, you know, just how big is your cheese board, I guess, is what I'm asking. <laughs> okay. And That's I think a pretty this fundamental has... and personal question, it seems to me. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's a lot of implications, first of all, for graduation gifts. We always get this question at Satellite uh-huh. Sisters. Oh, I have a... 22-year-old, she's graduating, what should I get her? I think the answer is cheese board. Cheese board. I mean, <laughs> nobody needs pots and pans no, anymore. forget it. No. Forget the basic, you know, right, the five plates, the two bowls, the this. Forget yeah, no. it. Just get a big cheese board. Cheese board. Uh-huh. If you really want to go nuts, get him some cheese. Start us some go starter nuts. cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get him some nuts. You know what, though? You could also vegan cheese board, which yeah. is, if you're entertaining, vegans are an issue now. Yeah. I love... <laughs> I mean, vegans are an issue. Not not in a bad way. No, No, it's just I'm very pro to accommodate people. People have different uh, diets. Yeah, there are a lot of vegans out there Mm -hmm. in the under 25 category Mm -hmm. list. You're going to see this, maybe. I don't know, but that's (laughs) because you've already mentioned you don't have kids. (laughs) But you have to accommodate vegans now, and I am grateful for them because they are doing good things for the planet. Yes, so that I can continue to eat grass-fed meat. So (laughs) I appreciate that. But like you could, you could cheese board without the cheese. So that's a concept that's going blow your mind but you could just make it crudités i mean i've seen cheese boards now that have everything literally from soup to nuts to chocolate on the cheese board Uh i don't like mixing mixing 
I don't like savory. Co- I don't sweet. like cookies and cheese on a board, no, but no. Um, but I do believe. In- so you already have rules. You only just discovered this <laughs> last week, but you already have a policy. Well, you know, I've been cheese boarding for a while. You have. I just thought, you know. <laughs> I Liz, just, I think as our merchandising queen, yeah. I think you got to get on some cheese boarding T-shirt. We need a cheese board. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're saying a cheese boarding T-shirt? Okay. Yeah. I thought you were yeah. saying oh, I well, had we to can go. We have a satellite sister cheese board. Too. Yeah. Source some cheese boards. Yeah. Well, I'd rather be cheese boarding. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question. Or how about <laughs> ask me about cheese boarding? <laughs> how big is your cheese board? <laughs> See, it's, it's fun. fun. It's fun it's to fun. say. That's so it. I, I think an important part of any trend is, is it fun to say? Yes. And cheese board is a fun word. It is. I mean, it's a verb. It's it's a lifestyle. So I think if you're looking for graduation, engagement, or wedding gifts, look to cheese boards. I think you can find a lot of answers there. <laughs> cheese boards are our future. <laughs> All right. And then quickly, there was an article that someone posted over at the Satellite Sisters Facebook group, but it was a good one. It was opinion piece from Frank Bruni in the New York Times about restaurants, what people over 50 want in their restaurants. Now, he just wants martinis, okay? That's <laughs> yeah. fine. I'm not a martini person. But he had a lot of other, um, he had some expert opinions in that piece about what we're really looking for. Like, we used to want loud and trendy and noisy and fun and hot spots. And now, I like Mo Rocca said, I would eat in a library. If a library <laughs> opened a restaurant, I would be the first in line. <laughs> I love Mo Rocca. And then Jeffrey and Ina were mm. quoted. Ina, the Barefoot Contessa, Ina Garten, she said they just go to the same place over and over again like every night for two years and then they find another place so she doesn't know any of the hot restaurants they just like grind one restaurant into the ground and then find another one and i like jonathan waxman he's a restaurateur i enjoy Mm -hmm. and he said that over 50 you go back to the original etymology of the word restaurant which promises to restore one's spirit oh which uh i loved i thought that was a good idea all right so i'm asking you sisters what do you look for now that we're of a certain age what do you look for in a restaurant Okay, Liz, you're raising well, your hand. Okay, it has to be quiet. The noise thing is yeah. is out of, out of control. I want a reservation. I don't want to stand in some giant line or yeah. stand in some super crowded bar. Okay, I want a booth. Okay, I don't want to be crammed in next to anyone. A no communal uh, table. At, at a table. So those are those are my my must haves. Okay, here's my list. Leanne, sometimes I feel like I need to wear a headlamp to re- read the yeah. menu. And so yeah. and it's embarrassing to take out your phone flashlight thing. So, you got to do it, though. You know, you got, so a little bit of lighting or a light source on the table that will illuminate the menu is important to me. Because it is that fine line between, you know, low lighting and flattering lighting. Like, yes. you don't want it so bright you can really meet, read the menu. No. But, yeah, you want, like, a pin <laughs> light agree. where you can, yeah, do that. And I know uh, in the piece they talked about bar seating, that we're not into bar seating, especially if there's no lumbar support. Right. I enjoy bar seating myself. Uh, frequently I'm dining alone, but even when I'm dining with a friend, like for me, the best position is like a bar corner. Yeah. Because then you're close enough so you can actually hear each other, which in a lot of restaurants you can't when there's a whole table between you. Mm-hmm. So I'm into the corner bar seating. Um, and the, uh, but I've noticed 
like happy hour is such a huge, it's always been big, but now I just feel like you can't be a restaurant without a special happy hour scene. There's a restaurant near me called Marco's where they call it social hour, but it's like from three to eight every day. So. They're going to call it cheese board hour. Oh, next next year, cheese board hour. Next year, there's going to be a lot of cheese boarding going on there, no doubt. <laughs> Lizzo, you got to get into that. <laughs> but the thing about it, Margot, is that their social hour, it's in, they have a very loungy kind of bar. And the seating is just too low. Too low. So I'd rather have seating that's <laughs> yeah. too high right. than too low. Right. Because you can't reach the cheese board right. and you can't get up to go to the ladies' room <laughs> from the from the low couches. Or you have to roll off the couch to, <laughs> to get to a standing position. That's never a good one. How about you, Leah? Okay, well, I just have, we go out so rarely just because of our work schedules and our life and stuff. So I I just reject all quick casual restaurants. Oh. I, I don't want to ever stand in line for food. Okay. Ever. Yeah. Again. Yeah. I hate it. Right. I can't okay. stand it. So the one night I go out, I'm not I'm not standing in line. So that's I just take a strong position on that. And then the second is craft cocktails take forever, man. <laughs> I mean, I know it's a thing, but like you order a drink and twenty five minutes later they bring you this thing. By then you're done. I'm out. I want <laughs> can't stand it. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't order one, everybody else in front of you ordered something that needs to be mulled and <laughs> shaken and infused and, and set on fire yeah. and botanical. Oh, yeah. my yeah. gosh. Just come over, take my drink order and bring me something and yes. then I'll be fine. <laughs> No, it's true. Craft we, we sound we sound like we're a lot of fun. We want light. We want it quiet. We don't bring me my food. Craft cocktails you want to start are like a eating whole... at about five o'clock too, Liam. Yes, no, I don't have to be super early. I'm not Sheila. No, I can like I could go at a grown up time, but um, but yeah, I, I can't. Mm. Yeah, I can't. I can't stand the craft cocktail. The craft cocktail is like a first course now. It takes yeah, about that long. It takes that yeah. long. Yeah, it's just so you just have to. And then they're tiny. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay. That's enough whining. Okay. We're not going to get any dinner dates at all. (laughs) Just going to stay home. Nobody's ever going to invite us out to dinner ever again. Stay home and cheese board and talk to our dogs. Uh, All right. If you want to contribute, uh, let us know what you're looking for a restaurant over 50 or please post pictures of your cheese boarding adventures. Yes. You could join the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. You could just search for us on Facebook, uh, the Satellite Sisters. It's a group and we'll approve you. It's a closed group. So all your cheese boards will be kept private. You don't... (laughs) You don't it's like cheese to... boarding is the new tablescaping. It That's is. That's what I'm feeling. That's what we it is. We want to see your photos. That's what it is. All right. Stay tuned when we come back a little bit more on the college admissions scandal and a few other things. But first, we'd like to thank a few sponsors. We would like to thank Robinhood for supporting Satellite Sisters. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to 10 bucks for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there's no minimum account deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data at a place to trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections, such as the 100 most popular. Mm. (laughs) With Robinhood, (laughs) 
You can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you can never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of Satellite Sisters a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at sisters.robinhood.com. Oh. That's a new one, Liz. That's yeah, a new one. It's a okay. New, yeah. Writing that down, a link will be in the show notes. Sisters.robinhood.com. Thanks, Robinhood. We'd also like to thank The New Yorker for supporting Satellite Sisters. The New Yorker represents the best writing in America today. Both online and in print, The New Yorker covers a full range of topics, including politics, news, international affairs, climate change and the environment, popular culture and the arts, fiction, food, humor, and of course, Cartoons. Yay, cartoons. Yeah. (laughs) Keeping it real over there at the New Yorker (laughs) with those cartoons. All right. This week, I want to point out an article that I absolutely loved by Helen Rossner. She's a James Beard Award-winning food writer Mm -hmm. over there at the New Yorker. And she did a piece on the new restaurant inside the Neiman Marcus inside the new Hudson Yards development. Oh, I've never been there. Okay. Oh. So, well, it's brand new. Like, everything's just opening. You know that Hudson Yards thing, that just giant thing in Lower Manhattan that just yeah. opened? Okay, They've been so, working on it. It's like the West Side, right? Yeah. And near the High Line. Right. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, right. And it's sort of built out into the harbor, mm-hmm. and it was described as like a vacuous, empty space of nothingness. I th- <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It's getting some poor oh. reviews, but <laughs> Helen... Know loves the new restaurant inside the Neiman Marcus there called Zodiac. And she does this whole food history where she goes back to the original restaurant designer and creator at the Neiman's in Dallas, Julie, where you and I... I, I, Didn't I take you there for our holiday special, Leanne? Yes. Yes. So there's a lot of of memory food writing about what what a special place that was and how they created the signature popovers and the strawberry Uh butter. And then they've moved it now to the Zodiac at the Neiman Marcus there. There is some unbelievable writing, just things that make you absolutely laugh out loud, a description of the crowd, and also a really just delightful description of the popovers and the strawberry butter. So hats off, Which we had on our holiday meal. I mean, why would you skip it? It's just delicious, real popovers and real strawberry butter. So hats off, Helen. That was good. Liz, you picked up... Oh, there was another piece I saw a couple weeks ago called The College Admissions Scandal and the Banality of Scamming by Naomi Fry. And it's really good. Mm -hmm. She sort of ties together what's going on with the college admissions scandal with what's going on at Theranos, which, you know, we're all over. And just a general low-level of rule following (laughs) going on in the United States right now. So I recommend that. So if you want to get on the New Yorker bandwagon, they have a really great deal going now for Satellite Sisters. 12 weeks for just $6 plus a New Yorker tote bag. That is a good deal. It is. And that includes home delivery of the print edition every week and unlimited access to NewYorker.com with 10 to 15 exclusive site-only stories every day, plus access to apps, online archive, the crossword puzzle, and more. Get 12 weeks of The New Yorker for just $6 plus the tote bag. Tote bag! Go to NewYorker.com slash sisters. Listeners save 50% when they enter the code SISTERS. NewYorker.com slash sisters. Use promo code SISTERS. All right. So as long as, as long as we're selling things, I just want to uh, mention what's going on in the Satellite Sister store because you know we got a lot of we got a lot of good merch there. Yeah. At, uh, in the Satellite Sister shop, there's a link at satellitesisters.com. There are a lot of ways you can get there. And I got a funny tweet yesterday from Noni again. 
follows us on Twitter uh, that said, on your website to buy a car magnet, any chance that you're the best can be a magnet? Because I had <laughs> created magnets from some of our other collections, <laughs> sisters. But because of the design of you're the best, they didn't really make the magnets. But Noni asked for a magnet, so boom, done. I went online yesterday <laughs> afternoon. Noni got her magnets. Even even acknowledged on Twitter, like, thank you very much. Bought it. So uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do this very often, though. So I probably shouldn't even have mentioned it because there are only so many products we can make. Like the cheese boards do not hold your breath. But anyway, thank you for checking out the shop. We have all kinds of good stuff there. And remember... You can buy our book, You're the Best, uh, at Amazon or any other place online where you buy books. So that's what's going on with shopping. And thanks to everyone who follows us on Twitter, at Sat Sisters, on Facebook, where we are the Satellite Sisters Facebook group, or on Instagram, where we're at Sat Sisters. And your ratings and reviews on any of the apps you use. Um, we're also very grateful for that, especially when you post reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts. All right. What else do we okay. got? Oh, no. Well, Brexit. I mean, sisters, I have to ask, what is happening to Great Britain? <laughs> I mean, you know, Great Britain, that's our rock, our beacon, our lodestar. And England has come off the rails yeah. over this Brexit thing. Mm -hmm. It feels like when you realize your parents aren't good at living together anymore. You know, <laughs> that's what I think Brexit feels like. It's, I mean, it started, let's just go back. It started with a referendum in June 2016, where Great Britain voted to leave the European Union, which mm -hmm. <laughs> sounded mm -hmm. like a bad idea then, and it seemed two years later it's not. But as part of that, the uni um, uh, Great Britain had to invoke Article 50 of the um, European Union Agreement, and they had a deadline, which was March 29th, 2019, in order to leave the uh, European Union. But they haven't been able to pass any kind of, you know, process for doing it. They've had three votes. Theresa May, as, the Theresa prime May. minister, has brought three different votes to the parliament on having a process, a plan, to vote in a plan for exiting um, the, the European Union. And all three times it's been voted down. Mm -hmm. She's so desperate. The last time she said, okay, if you pass this, I will, I will resign. I will just pass it and then I'll step down. And they didn't even do that. They still <laughs> voted it down. Yesterday, they had another series of votes. They had four different options they were trying to get passed. None of it got passed. So now you have everyone that voted to leave the European Union is totally dismayed. They're, you know, they have they have lost faith faith in democracy. And, and then everyone who wanted to stay in the European Union, they're also equally disenchanted mm -hmm. because they don't feel like their elected parliamentarians are doing their bit to try to um, to to improve the process. So it's a mess. It is. Truly the worst possible outcome, right? They just got no, they voted to do this super radical thing and now they've got no plan for how they're going to execute it. But I go back to your original point, Julie. It is like when you realize 
your parents do not have control of their lives anymore. Right. And you I have mean, to, we remember we had to take the car keys away. Then that's we had, what this is like. Yeah. We had to I, move I, them so we could like really observe what they were doing more. It does feel like that. You, you think they're grownups and then they start behaving irrationally. But because they're grownups, you... They have a right to do what they want to do, but right. it, it's a mess. It's a total it's, mess. I feel like we need to send some high-level delegation, I don't know who would be in it, to England and just, I don't know, get them get them back on a plan, get them in some kind of, you know, help them, assist them. Assisted in, living. In, they need in, to be moved into I assisted living. I didn't living. want to use that analogy, but yes, they yes. need some assisted living. <laughs> They need some extended care. Yes, because they do. They are. They had. It is their democracy has totally broken down. Yeah. The, nobody. Nobody's views are being represented in the current uh, parliament. Yeah. Nobody. Everybody. Everybody in the country is 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 disenchanted with the democratic process. Yeah. Well. What's amazing is when you hear the tape of what's happening in the parliament, they're all just yelling all the time. And, oh, they're all making noises. I, mean, I know. That used to be charming. Now yeah, I think it's yes. just proof of just wild dysfunction. Right. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. That's their but, thing. But it is possible that they're going to crash out where they will or, you know, where they will have no orderly plan for exiting the European Union and that it will it's going to have a dramatic and drastic impact yep. on yep. on you know anyone that you know lives in Great Britain mm-hmm. or anyone that trades with Great Britain or if you're planning to visit the country I, I don't even know how how customs and immigration is going to work uh, nobody <laughs> will know you know again it's nobody, sort of like <laughs> nobody will have any idea should you bring your passport don't bring your passport uh, uh. you know should we let you in should we not let you in nobody's in control it is like when our dad totaled a car and then our mom and our dad both conspired to not tell any of us right. that that had happened. Right. Yeah. Except right. now we're going to try to visit the UK and we're going to see, like, they crashed the car. There's, right. no, there's no. no car. <laughs> I mean, it's not funny because it is funny. a mess. Yes, it's and a mess. It's just, it's a real mess. But it's that same sinking feeling, right. you know, like... This can't be happening. You mm-hmm. know, these were the responsible people. Mm-hmm. These, you know, these were our parents, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and and they unbelievably brought it upon themselves I know. in a series of missteps, you know. Sure, go ahead on vote for this. It's never going to pass. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it passed. <laughs> okay, well, now I'm going to uh, negotiate this deal, but I'm not going to tell anyone what's in the deal until the very last minute when it's too late to do anything. Oh, I mean... It is crazy that mm-hmm. it's England. It did. Mm-hmm. I was listening to some report yesterday, and I thought, "Thank goodness we got away from those people." <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's true. I mean, really, we that American Revolution. Well, we, I mean, but it's a great same, idea. We don't we don't really want harm to come to? No, Great-Britain. not I mean, at all. They are they are they're our best friends. No, I you know. know. Uh, and so, uh, but we I don't really know how we can help them. No, I, that's that's it's a sad point. way for the British Empire to end. Seriously, I that's. Yeah. What, I mean, that's what it sounds like. I think the queen's going to have to step in. I, I, I really do. I mean, it may be something as dramatic as that. Yeah, yeah. but I want the queen from the show, the queen, yeah. <laughs> not the queen, queen. <laughs> I want a fictional queen to step in. Olivia <laughs> Coleman is ready to step in. 
Okay. Okay. In other uh, signs of wild dysfunction, you know, this college admission scandal is something uh, we love here at Satellite Sisters because it combines a lot of things we're fans of. Julie was a college admissions officer herself. Leon did a podcast about college admissions. And we also seeing, you know, the rich and powerful brought down who doesn't love that. So today's um, or this week's big news is that the tipster, they have revealed the identity of the tipster who led federal authorities to the Yale coach where things really began to unravel. And this was a guy, a Los Angeles financial executive who was being investigated in, oh, guess what, a securities fraud case. So, no, he was actually committing other crimes. So as a way to get himself out of the securities fraud case, he turned over the fact to the feds that this uh, Yale coach had asked for a bribe. And so things have sort of spiraled from there. So it's just like a whole culture of corruption and no rule following. It is just a mess. Yeah, I, that yeah. parents that that tip them off too. I mean, he was a terrible person. Yes. I, I hate to think of like that's what law enforcement is like. Oh, I did all these terrible things, but oh my gosh, look, this guy did even worse terrible things. That was just incredible. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so, it's not like he's some hero whistleblower. No. In no. 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 He was trying to save himself. Yeah. So that's what brings us to the whole snowplow parenting discussion, Leanne, because right. I wanted to understand what that was. Yeah, and the New York Times a couple of weeks ago had a had an article, and I had never actually heard the term snowplow parenting. Maybe because now that my kids are out of the house, I've just given up on parenting. I just <laughs> you're just cheeseboarding. I'm just cheeseboarding. You know, I felt like I really focused on it for 18 to 20 years, and then like once they left, I felt like, well, good luck. I mean, <laughs> I got things to do. I've been busy. So, you know, when my kids were growing up, and Julie, you were at the you're at the forefront of helicopter parenting, right? Yes. Where right. we spend a ton of time overseeing them and hovering and, mm-hmm. and keeping them on track. But this idea of snowplow parenting is just literally plowing down any obstacle in front of them, whether it be a bad grade or a coach that won't put them in, or a friendship that's not working, or we're organizing their play dates, we're you know mm-hmm. cheating on the SATs for them, or writing their English paper because oh they're so tired and right. you know yeah, no struggle whatsoever right. for the child that Just, that the ch- child will only experience positive happy things yeah. won't ever have to do anything that creates turmoil, struggle, pain, anguish, you know, self-doubt. Right. None and, of that. Right. Just plowing it down in front of us. And college experts say this is just a case of, or these parenting experts say this is this college admission scandal is just like the extreme end mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're not good at the SATs or, oh, you spent four years getting mediocre grades at high school. Well, don't worry. We're going to get you into the college of your choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is an extreme effort, but there are a lot of parents out there doing this on a daily basis. And they probably don't even realize it. They've done all these surveys of parents of kids 18 to 21. And, you know, large percentage of them are still making their haircut appointments, making their doctor's appointments, calling them at college to wake them up for, you know, an important test. 11% said they'd have no problem contacting their child's employer if there was a discrepancy Mm -hmm. on their, you know, review or their pay. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. Or they're, or, and they're, you know, now because you can email, you can, you know, Facebook, whatever, a lot of parents are very involved in communicating with the teachers, you know, uh, much more so than even, Leanne, when you and I had younger children, you know, so that teachers and coaches are feeling this, that, you know, they're getting emails from their, you know, from parents all, you know, they work all day and then they come home and have to respond to parents' emails all evening. I mean, it's really... Uh, so um, where did you guys draw the line as parents? Because you can understand the right, instinct. Right, and You want to spare your child, right. you know, bad things in their life. So I get it. Right. I, you know, I really, they, it occurred to me when they were in like sixth or seventh grade that they were good at some things and not good at others. Mm-hmm. And, that, <laughs> and yeah. some of those things were going to have some long-term ramifications. I mean, math. <laughs> That's important. But and yeah. God knows you couldn't do their math test for them. <laughs> hey, I was no, pretty Leanne good was at pretty math, good at math. Oh, but yeah, so, you do have to figure yeah. out, you know, if the, you know, if the child needs help, you know, you have to get the help, right. but you can't do their work. Right. And there was plenty of times where, you know, I would see I, I, you know, I can remember in Boy Scouts, it was supposed to be something where, you know, father, son make a cake. And so my husband and my son made a cake and it looked like they made a cake. And then when we went to, you know, the cake award ceremony, I mean, they had professional cake <laughs> decorators making mm-hmm. these cakes. Right. And, you know, that you have to, you just have to call that out to your own child and say, you did a better job making your own cake rather than these parents who obviously paid someone to make that award-winning hamburger cake that looked like a, a it looked like a hamburger in a <laughs> right. bun. It was those pretty. Are nice sounds cakes. great, though. Yeah, that those are good great. cakes. They but that's win. sort of the most benign thing, the yeah. cake thing. I mean, it really becomes a problem when they go to college and they cannot do anything. Yeah. You know, yeah. like oh, they don't like their roommate, so they oh, they have to leave school, and you know, mm-hmm. they just can't get a handle on their work, and they you can't figure out why. Well, because you were writing their papers for them in high school. <laughs> I mean, yeah. honestly, I think there's a lot of cheating. That mm-hmm. goes on yeah, in high school. Yeah, I think there are. I think a lot more parents. I, a lot are, of parents are doing work, and mm-hmm. I decided once the kids got to high school, you know, they have all those electronic grades now, Liz. You don't even know that. Like they can yeah. take a test, and if you're their parent, you can be sitting in your office, and it, you know, three oh one, you can get their grades, so you can yell at them in the car ride home about their poor <laughs> grades. Oh, that Ooh. sounds awesome, right? Yeah. As a kid. But I just, I never checked their grades in high school. I just, unless they were really in trouble and stuff. And in some classes, they were in trouble, Mm -hmm. you know, and they had to do makeup and summer school and things like that. But I didn't do the work for them. That didn't occur to me. But I just laugh because it's so the opposite of our parents. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Well, I think they were good role models in that weird way. Yeah. Who we have joked about the benign neglect of us growing up. but. Yeah, there was no snow plowing. I mean, the classic, you know, Jim and Edna Dolan response when we were all applying to college and we would ask for, you know, we asked for various help with things. Mom would say, I've already been to college. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Like, Or they'd say, what grade are you in? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to college next year? <laughs> you know, that... They weren't certain of that. <laughs> but there so, was a lot that, to that, you know? Which forced, it forced us to be a little more responsive, that if you wanted to go to college, uh, <laughs> yeah. you had to be a little more responsible about it. Yeah. So, I mean, there was an so expectation we would that go. that age group can be responsible. And by taking away that struggle, by not allowing them to, you know, make mistakes, to fall down, to get a bad grade, whatever it is, you're putting, you really are putting your child at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what's what's interesting about the snowplow term is it's preemptive. Yeah. You know, it's not reactive. 
It's not like, oh, oh right. it's it's like we're going to we're going to do everything before you start to get into trouble to boast you. Yeah. I think the other big thing too, the big difference in when we grew up and now is we were not expected to be best all arounds. No. You know, everybody had a skill. Mm-hmm. People were good at things. Yeah. And now to get in, if the goal is to get into some of these schools, you all you have to take AP English and AP Physics. Yeah. And you know what? Not that many kids can really pull that off. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I get suspicious of people like, or like, what about your son breaks? I mean, I saw it. Your son broke up with the girl or the girl broke up with him. There's no homework that gets done for that semester. You know, they're done. They're out. So <laughs> I'm like, didn't your kid or... You know, Brooks got the bird flu and Colin got mono in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of those physical things took huge tolls on their GPA. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you going to do? They got mono, they got the bird flu. Yeah. And so, but when I hear about kids getting, I, I just, I'm suspicious. Like, how did they maintain? That they can pull it all for off. All, uh, yeah. And just how did everybody maintain? Yeah. So the interesting, one last thing from this article is that, you know, experts say, what parents today, these snowplow parents, are focusing on their kids at 18. The goal is to just get them to that good college, and then mm-hmm. everything's going to work out. And she said, really, your goal as a parent should get them to be a great kid at 35. Mm-hmm. What you're really preparing them for is 35, not for 18. You, do you understand what no, I mean? No, I don't. I think I said that wrong. Like, no. They feel like, you know, if we could just get them to a good everything will clear everything out of their way. So if they get to the good college, then oh, yeah. they'll figure it out. So that's not going to happen. And so they end up handicapping them. And mm-hmm. so at 35, they, they're just unable to. Yeah, to they're not independent and with, resourceful. With being an right. adult. Yeah. 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 Right. So anyway, interesting. Okay. We'll put yes. a link to that. I would be interested in people's comments on that uh, in the Facebook group. Okay. One last quick story in this segment. And this is the woman who feels no pain. So they discovered this woman who feels no pain. Literally no pain. And she also throughout her life has experienced no anxiety or fear. And it's a very rare genetic mutation. It's currently written about in the British Journal of Anesthesia. I guess they were mad that she never needed any anesthesia. I don't know what. But anyway, I read about it in the New York Times. So she's 71, and it took them until very late in her life to figure out that she had this rare genetic mutation. So she had a hip replacement at 65, and they could not believe how degenerated her hip had gotten before she ever came to the doctor and said, hey, you know, what's the deal? That a normal person would have presented themselves way, way earlier. Hmm. And this might have been a clue earlier in her life. The article said, quote, Cuts, burns, and fractures did not hurt either. In fact, it often took the smell of burning flesh or her husband identifying blood for her to notice anything. Okay, so it is surprising to me that it was like she was 65 by the time somebody said, huh, let's look into it. So that sound actually, it sounds so dangerous not to feel pain. It It sounds surprising that she didn't have more serious injuries because, you know, she wouldn't. She wouldn't yeah. have the same reaction that everybody else did. I know. I know. So I was starting to feel sorry for her. But then I want, I want to ask you two, um, what if you were a friend of hers and she advised you, which she did to her friends, quote, childbirth is not as bad as people say. It's just a tickle. It's just a tickle, oh, she wow. says. Okay. So, like, okay. nobody needs hey. that kind of advice, yeah. right? No. no. Joe Cameron. She keep that to herself. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought, Julia. You can just keep your gene mutation to yourself. But again, if you're a friend of hers and she's telling you childbirth is just a tickle, mm, 
I, I don't know. Where do you go in that conversation? <laughs> I'm just guessing that now people are just tempted to walk up and punch her and stuff. You know what I mean? Like Just to see if she'd feel like, it. Yeah, or like, oh, let's just stab you and see what happens. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I'm just, just saying. It's just yeah. weird. So it's weird to go through your whole life with this and for other does people she, around you not to really know. Does she feel emotional pain? Well, no she, anxiety or fear, huh. which is a form of emotional pain. Yeah. I don't know. They, the, uh, the interesting thing about it from a scientific point of view is now they're looking at the gene mutation. And if more of us could have a touch of this, right. like, if we all felt a little bit less pain, that would be a good thing. But if we all started feeling no pain, I think that would be a terrible thing. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. I'm thinking of that swimmer we interviewed, Lynn. Um, do you remember the, oh, right. the cold water swimmer? Who could swim yeah. in the... 34 degree water. Right. She did not feel cold like other people. Yeah. That's why she was uniquely suited to do those Arctic swims. Yes. But this is, yeah, this is different. Anyway, just is an interesting one. (laughs) Childbirth with no pain. You know. You'd have 10 kids. (laughs) I know. No, you wouldn't. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. All right. We'll be back with Entertaining Sisters, but we're going to take a break to thank some sponsors. We'd like to thank Harry's for supporting Satellite Sisters. Julie, you were just talking on our, our production call about your issue with beards. Yes, it is. This is, is your me? moment, Julie. It's the Harry's it, ad. Do uh, it. Okay. Is it me or am I just getting cranky about beards? Because I think it's fine if you want to grow a beard, but that does not mean you should stop washing your hair or showering or yeah. doing other basic grooming. And now what I see is just unkept beards and baseball hats because they've got dirty hair. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't get that with men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, all men need some Harry's. That's what they need, Julie. Yeah. Yes, because they it's do. a slippery it's... slope with that. Once you start growing that beard, everything else starts to go. That's your point. <laughs> yes. That's my point, Liam. All right. And, okay. Well, I think a nice trim beard, very handsome. Mm-hmm. Okay. But get out your Harry's razor. And yeah. Start, shave start your neck. And just shave and your neck. And use some of those Harry's products. Okay? Yes. yes. Good point. That's right. It's right? not just the shaving You don't product. have to stink just because no. you have a beard, right? No. This is a good point, Julie. Yeah. This is quite enough. Uh, that's not in the Harry's copy, but I think you, you're oh. contributing a lot to this discussion. Okay. okay. So if, if this sounds like you, I want you to join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com forward slash Sisters, harrys.com forward slash sisters. That's right. If you're stinky and you have a beard, (laughs) you're going to want to check out this Harry's offer. Mm -hmm. Get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. Weighted ergonomic handle, five-blade razor with lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, the rich lathering shave gel, Mm -hmm. and the travel blade cover. That is all going to be yours. harrys.com forward slash sisters harrys.com forward slash sisters to redeem your offer. And if you listen to Julie, you're also going to want to get some of their body wash and some of the other products. And you know, here's the thing. All the men in our lives love love these products. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, These are solid gold. So go ahead and get them for the men in your lives with beards or without. harrys.com forward slash sisters. Thanks, Harrys. 
We would also like to thank Me Undies for supporting Satellite Sisters. Julie, do you have any strong feelings about <laughs> underwear that you'd like to get off your chest? Well, I I have strong feelings about Me Undies because they're so softly in. Nice. Okay, mm-hmm. they're terrific. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, Me Undies are terrific. You know why? They have this micromodal fabric that is three times softer than cotton. This fabric genuinely feels like actual heaven against your skin. It totally does. My college yeah. son was home last week. I got him a couple pairs of me undies he could not have been happier really oh yeah he loved mm-hmm. it the ones with the big strawberries i got him some nice I know. spring I know. they have some very cute patterns if you're looking to help your man replenish his top drawer me undies is now offering the new boxer brief with fly okay it's the same great cut as the boxer brief mm-hmm. but with the added option for guys who prefer to go through the gate versus over the fence <laughs> Okay, because apparently it. that's a thing. Yeah. I don't know. I've been married 26 years. No idea where my <laughs> husband stands on <laughs> through the gate versus over the fence. I'm never asking. I'm just, I'm going to let him check a box. What do you want? What do you want? Which one of these do you want? I don't need to see the response. Just let me know. Okay. But, uh, but they are incredibly soft. That's what we, where, whether you go through the gate or over the fence, they're super soft. So MeUndies has a great offer for Satellite Sisters listeners. For any first-time purchasers, when you go to MeUndies, you get 15% off and free shipping. Get 15% off a pair of the most comfortable undies you will ever put on. That's MeUndies.com slash sisters. MeUndies.com slash sisters, 15% off free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee. Thanks, MeUndies. Okay, we have a couple of entertainment things uh, we need to talk about, but I want to start talking about the Olympics because, you know, it's never too soon. Yeah. To talk. We've got your 2020 in Tokyo, so planning has begun for that. Then there's 2024 in Paris and 2028 in uh, Los Angeles. I've already blocked out all of those dates on, on my calendar. Because uh, okay. we consider ourselves Olympic family, and we'll pretty much attend any Olympics games we can wheedle our way into, but Paris... Paris, I think I have a problem, Paris. Paris has formally submitted breakdancing as a new competition they want to introduce in the games. So in competitive breakdancing, Julie, breakers would face off in battles as individuals and teams. So it's a judged event with competitors busting acrobatic moves to DJ beats. So, you know. Isn't that a TV show? Isn't yeah. It like, what's so you think you can dance. I know. Yeah. So you think you can dance. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is there going to be singing? Is there a battle? Is it like a, do we have an American Idol event as well? I don't know. They said, their official statement, the, the backers of breakdancing, said they, they thought their sport would bring in younger fans and take up relatively little space to conduct. So first of all, I just want to say, how much space your sport takes up should not be grounds for consideration. <laughs> That's not how you get into the Olympics. But but do young people even break dance anymore? Apparently in France they, they do, but is that a thing other than on TV? I, they you certainly know, make I think a lot of groups. dance movies about it. Yes. yes. So, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, my but my main hang-up is I just don't think we need any more judged events in the Olympics. It's the athletes are great. It's kind of the judges that ruin things. Yeah. It's the judges that play favorites. They're a little too affected by the music or the costumes. And so I'm just down on more judges. They are pretty much the weak link. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but you know, I put a clock on it. I'm good. So, but the sports that did not make the cut for Paris uh, included Billiards, 
chess, karate, and squash. Right. Now, chess well, takes up no space at all either, right. but I'm very glad that, very glad they didn't <laughs> they fall for that. They could have had that in the Luxembourg Park. That would have been lovely. <laughs> yes, yeah. They didn't fall for that. Anyway, breakdancing, right. 2024, we might be seeing that. I'm surprised I, karate is not already. I know. I, I yeah. am too. I didn't realize well, that. Well, isn't judo a sport there? Yeah. So I yeah. Taekwondo. Think, and squash, we have other racket sports. I think squash should be allowed in. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Okay, maybe that's, no a, maybe that's a reason to not allow it in. Here's what squash needs to do. They need to get some little corgis to go after those balls. <laughs> that's true. I would totally watch that. Totally, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yes. I think you just solved the problem for Paris. <laughs> it's, it's true. If you had more dog sports, <laughs> that would be good. All right, Entertaining Sisters this week. Here's where we give you our entertainment recommendations. Take them or leave them, basically. Um, okay. Hats off for The Fix. The Fix, yay. It's really a fun yes. TV show to watch. It's it is a, good. It's yeah. a procedural, but it's soapy. Yes. You know, there's a soap opera aspect to it. It's kind of juicy and got a lot of twists and turns. A lot of twists and, and turns. And good, like, interpersonal relationships. A lot relationships. of characters. Yes. You know, the characters, yeah, a number of villains in this show. Yes. Yeah. So congratulations to the producers of The Fix, Elizabeth Swain, Elizabeth uh, Kraft and Sarah Fain. We talked to them a couple weeks ago on the show. It is enjoyable. And, and that's Monday nights at 10 p.m. on ABC. Yes. But I've been watching it on Hulu. Hulu. Yeah. yeah. It comes up on Hulu the next day. Which you get now with your Spotify. I don't understand it. I don't understand it either. I thought it was a joke, and I didn't click through on the link. I don't believe it. I don't know how that happens. Anyway, just watch, watch The Fix wherever you can find it. Uh, yeah, well, in other TV news, I had at the end of the year, I thought, I am just paying too much for all of these extra services. And I mean, TV is so expensive. It is. So I thought, okay, I don't need any of the premium networks. So I got rid of HBO. I got rid of Showtime. Like, I'm just going to have to, I have plenty of other things, including Netflix and Hulu and Amazon. But then when all the Veep promos started running, yeah. that the Veep oh. season was starting again this past Sunday, and it's their final season. I just, I I couldn't hold back. I, I had to re-up my HBO. <laughs> I just, like, I cannot not watch Veep. You can't right. wait. You can't I, wait. I could, yes. Awful. Right. I can't wait, like, five years for it to show up someplace else. So, uh, so I signed up for HBO, but the first thing I actually watched before Sunday Night Veep was the Theranos documentary. So I saw that as well as yeah, yes. Yeah. So I've now taken in all of the Theranosity, all of whatever <laughs> you would the whole body of work about Theranos. I read the John Carreyrou book, which is called Bad Blood. I listened to the ABC News podcast, which is called The Dropout, and then this Theranos doc. What was the name of the actual movie? Mm, I uh, forget. It'll it'll come to me. Um, yeah, it was sort of not a good name. I will look that up. Go ahead. Yeah. Carry on. I actually thought, Julie, I don't know what you thought. I actually thought, other than the book, which is so detailed and so great, <laughs> I thought the ABC News podcast, The Dropout, was actually better than the Alex Gibney documentary. The only reason I liked the documentary is because you could hear Elizabeth Holmes in her own voice. Yes. And part of the thing that was is always so incredible about it is how did she convince all these smart people, not only the people on her board, high power board, but all those smart scientists and business people that came to work for her. What was it that she had? What was her charisma? I still don't understand it other than she had giant eyes and yes. talked deep voice. But, <laughs> but I, you know, I still can't understand no, why so many people 
fell for, uh, you know, the fraud that she put together. No. By the way, that documentary is called The Inventor. The Inventor. Right? Yes. Right. It wasn't Austin. a good name, I yeah. don't think. Yeah. Um, yeah, the dropout or ba- bad blood was the best name. Right, but I guess that somebody was, I guess that was already taken. I'm with you, Julie. I think the the best part of the uh, Alex Gibney documentary were uh, her bug eyes. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. you could actually see she was famous for never blinking. Blinking, right? What is that? What is it's that? like the woman who feels no pain. Yes, so they're probably going to mm-hmm. find out. I don't know how she slept at night. Like yeah. that's my husband and I watched the documentary this weekend at like six in the morning because that's what we like to do. And <laughs> uh, and that was our question: like, how did they sleep at night? Yeah. Perpetrating that fraud for for yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. With people's lives in the balance, like the, you know. I know. I mean, people really were getting hurt. This yeah. was not a no-victim crime or, oh, just a couple right, of rich right. people and their money. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a software program no. like Best of Silicon Valley where, yes. you know, there is that famous, you know, you fake it until you make it. Right. I mean, these were, you know, these were people's medical tests. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I thought the documentary kind of let her off the hook a little bit at the end. Let her off the hook too much for my taste because it was all thing. Like she was a zealot. Maybe she really did believe everything. Mm, I don't know. I'm not buying it. <laughs> right. I think she was just a fraud and, uh, you know, would have known years before that this was not working. And because she was so vindictive with people who came to her and told her that it was not working, that's what makes me think it wasn't just zealotry. I agree. You know, at a certain point, you know you are harming people. Even if it's just the people that work for you that you're firing every time they mention that, oh, by the way, the machine doesn't work. Right. So, but if you can't get enough of the whole Theranos story, yeah. the the author of the book, John Carreyrou, I had mentioned on last week's show that the L.A. Times Festival of Books is coming up here in L.A. on Saturday the 13th and Sunday the 14th of April. And it's always fantastic. So many great speakers. So John Carreyrou is doing a panel on Saturday the 13th at 1.30. So I recommend that if you're uh, in the neighborhood uh, on the USC campus. But then on Sunday, the... <laughs> The book we mentioned last week, Say Nothing, the one about the troubles in Northern Ireland, Patrick Radden Keefe, I think Leon's new boyfriend, Patrick yeah. Radden Keefe. <laughs> yes. He is on a panel Sunday, April 14th at noon. So, you know, you might want to show up for that. Um, there's, there are a bunch of other authors on that panel. Uh, but I've gone totally down the Say Nothing rabbit hole. I watched um, a 19- that movie 71 that you recommended to me, yes. Leanne, that's like a scripted drama about a British soldier in Belfast in 1971. Then I found this documentary about Dolores Price called I, Dolores. It's actually her filmed testimonial. It's Dolores and they're like, I, Belfast is my new Theranos. I just don't know. I don't know how to make it stop. Anyway, so so he's also going to be at the LATFOB, as we say here in L.A. So I will be hanging around both days to take those things in. That's good. I'm glad you're busy, Liz. <laughs> Liz I, that's you know, good. And, and very soon the admission scandal will be coming out yes. in some form. Yes. So that you can hop right on that, Liz. And mm-hmm. the last days of England. When, <laughs> yes. right. when England just sinks into the sea, you're going to have the post-Brexit. That's going to be interesting. Remember the UK? Huh. Yeah. They yeah. were great. Yeah. yeah. That was in our lifetime, huh? <laughs> I guess I missed that. Yeah. Okay, you're right. So much interesting history happening right now in real time. That's right.
In real time, it's happening. Speaking of that, we want to tell you, our next week we're talking to Abby Ellen. She is the author of Duped, which is our Satellite Sisters book club pick. Duped is a nonfiction account. It's an investigation into people who lead secret double lives and why their loved ones don't catch on. Drawing on her own yeah. personal experience where she was completely duped by this duped by handsome boyfriend. guy. Yeah. yeah. Very wild tale. Yes. Yeah. So we will be talking to Abby next week on Satellite Sisters. All right, we would like to thank our sponsors today, MeUndies, Harry's, Robinhood, and The New Yorker. Thank you so much for supporting us. And uh, thanks to you for supporting the people who support us. We appreciate that satellite sisterhood. We would also like to thank our engineer, Sergio Enriquez. Thank you, Sergio, for making us sound great every week. We appreciate that. Um, all right, time for our to-dos. What, what do you got, Liz? What do you got on your to-do? Well... I'm a, it's funny, we've been talking about dogs a lot today. I don't want to get into too many details, but I'll just say this. Hooper has a very delicate gastrointestinal system. Yep, same uh, We have some issues going on, so I'm taking Hooper to the vet today. I'll be curious okay. to see what tone of voice the vet uses when talking <laughs> okay. to Hooper. Julie. Talk to Hooper as an adult. Yes, He's okay. An adult. okay, we're going okay. to the vet today. Julie, okay. how about you? Well, I just signed up, and I want to recommend everyone do uh, to do the same to the uh, the new brand new Instagram account for Megan and Harry. It's <laughs> Sussex Royal. Oh. That's S U S S E X R O Y A L, and you can follow Megan and Harry on Instagram. <laughs> that is exciting, Julie. I'm going to do it right now. As soon as we hang up, I'm going to yeah, do that. It's a good to do. Yeah. Okay. And I, uh, I, Lee and Dolan, have a lot of reading to do because we always put together our Satellite Sisters summer reading books. Oh, and are you going to do that? Yeah, I'm going to do that, that again, but I, I have to get a reading. Uh, and I would like to, you know, solicit um, recommendations from people. We generally look for newer books. So uh, so not books that have been out for a long time. If there's something you've read this winter that's new that you loved, I'll start a thread on the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. But we have an exciting interview lined up for June. I will tell you about in a couple of weeks with an author who has a big book coming out this summer. But then we'll put together a list of other books for you. So I have to get reading. Okay. That is my to-do list. Do it. Yeah. All right. Anything else, girls? That's it. Have a good week. Yeah, you too. Don't forget, call your satellite sister.